You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and the dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator and the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists, ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Welcome back to another episode of Letter to Artists, brought to you from the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California. This podcast is inspired by, by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's Letter to Artists, hoping to unite a community of creative Catholics to encourage one another to use our artistic talents to impact culture for Christ. I am your host, Bailey Garland, and today we are going to be joined by multi-talented artist, seminarian of the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois, and a really dear friend of mine, Andrew Bilgery. I'm so excited for him to join us on the show. He's got a lot of talents he was in, not to spoil, but to give you a little bit of a teaser. He was in the army band. He does woodwork. He is a really talented musician. Um, and just multi, he's been an actor. I've seen him act before many, many things, many, many talents. So I'm super excited for you to hear about him from him um, and a little bit about his journey. I would like to introduce dear friend of mine, Andrew Bilgery. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, how you doing, Bailey? Oh, it's so good to hear from you. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm happy to be here too. Well, Looking forward to talking about this. Me too. I can't wait for everyone to hear what you have to say. So we'll start this interview in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And my first question for you is, what is your favorite musical instrument, Mr. Musician? Hands down, the tuba. The tuba? Yeah. Why is that? Exactly because of your reaction. (laughs) (laughs) It always gets the best reaction from people. Uh, No, it's not the first instrument that I learned, but it's the instrument that has taken me on the the greatest journey. Um, It's what I played in the military. It's what I studied at school. Um, I also just love playing it because it's so big. It really uh, is a workout <laughs> to play it. Mm-hmm. Not only to have it on your shoulders, but also to hold it upright. And to play it requires such great amount of air and a great amount of control and relaxation because if you have a, any tense in your body, it's going to be uh, impactful on the sound uh, that you produce. Oh wow! But I also really love uh, tuba because it's if you play it right, it can sound very beautiful. Yeah, so, what's the difference simple. between? I think I just heard someone play. Is the sousaphone similar to the tuba, or is that way out of left field? No, you're you're very close. Sousaphone is just a marching tuba. Um, oh. That's what you typically see on the football field um, on Friday night or on the college football field. Um, a concert tuba is one that sits on your lap. Got so it. it. it it's, the tubing is different. Its shape is different, but it sounds the same. So you can call it a tuba. No okay. <laughs> so when, like the the sousaphone is the is it it wraps around your body. Yeah, that it has like the big bell over the head and then like it's yes. wrapped literally around the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just saw someone playing. We were really, me and my friends were really trying to figure this out the other day. I saw someone playing 
And I was like, well, it looked like a mix between a sousaphone and a French horn, but I was like, but I, or sorry, a tuba and a French horn. And I was like, cause it wrapped around his body, but I was like, I know it wasn't a French horn. Like it was bigger than that. I was like, it was so much bigger. And it was, it was really funny because we were like arguing about what, what it was, but I think it was a sous or I think it was a sousaphone. <laughs> right. Aww. Don't worry. You're not, you're not the first one to make that kind of question them. about yourself. It's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, with that, since the tuba has been um, such a big part of your life, and I really would like to hear more about that, but why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Who, who is Andrew Bilgree? <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that I'm a beloved son of God. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Quincy, Illinois, which is right on the Mississippi River. Um, it's not too far from where I, um, where I originally grew up. Uh, it wasn't my first home in Quincy. No, like I, I was raised more on in the country, uh, of the county, uh, that Quincy is in. But then within a couple of years of being born, my family and I moved to Quincy, uh, and that's where. Uh, I've lived most of my life, um, and you know I was raised Catholic from the start. I was baptized after only being two months of, of being alive, so I was <laughs> baptized actually um, in the month of August here. So I oh. uh, just recently remembered my baptismal day. I guess it's kind of <laughs> it's been oh, really cool awesome. to talk with people and. They tell me happy birthday on my bachelor's <laughs> day, which is so true. Uh, but yeah. moving on, uh, <laughs> yeah, my parents raised me and my older brother and my younger sister um, up in the Catholic faith. And we we received our sacraments at uh, St. Peter's Parish, which has its significance because it's also the parish of Google Father Augustine Fulton, who was buried here in Quincy. Yeah. And he was the first black priest in the United States. And so it's, um, at the moment, I really didn't know about that, but looking back now as a seminarian, that's so huge in my story. Right. Um, huge devotion to this wonderful priest. Um, I didn't go to Catholic school for too long. I went to Catholic school for a couple of years, but then, uh, just because of the situation and how the, uh, cookie crumbled, I, I went to, uh, public school, the system in Quincy, which was still good. And uh, I continued on my formation of faith at, you know, you know, night school uh, once a week, you know, where was public school religion classes. And that's where I still was learning how to pray, learning about scripture, learning about the church. And, um, you know, I was an athlete because my brother was an athlete. And then when my brother did the music, <laughs> I became music. But then Matt put down the trumpet and I just kept on playing. So, I just kind of mentioned that there. Uh, my first instrument was the trumpet, and uh, I started getting a liking to it, and um, that kept me uh, busy at school because there's a wonderful music department uh, in Quincy, uh, public school system. And then my brother, like, he was still the athlete of the family. But, yeah, I really just fell into that identity as a musician growing up, uh, and I loved it. I then... Uh, went on to go to college at Illinois State University uh, for music. So um, as I can already tell, 
as I ramble on about my life, I, <laughs> there's so many things uh, that have happened, but, um, in general, that's the, the fourth seminary, my story, Quincy music, ISU seminary. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> well, I feel like you're leaving out a huge part too, because when did you join the military? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I joined the military because when I was at college, I was like, I really need to make sure I am uh, well off to provide for a family one day. And I wanted to make sure I didn't have college debt mm. weighing me down. And I looked at my options and did my own research, which is what I recommend. <laughs> uh, and I found the best thing for me was to join uh, an army band. Yeah. Praise the Lord that there was an army band nearby uh, that put, that's located in Chicago and Milwaukee performing for Midwest uh, performances, right? Performing at a Midwest event. Yeah, so I auditioned my freshman year and I got in. And I uh, was very grateful for that opportunity and I really prayed about it. And, and I was like, I think the Lord, you're calling me to this. I think uh, I'm going to enlist. And I enlisted. And within that year, I was uh, sent to basic training, the, the, the advanced individual training. Um, so that was six months of military training, uh, which actually required me to drop out of school. So actually, Bailey talking to a college dropout. <laughs> uh, uh, don't worry, I came back to school uh, and finished the rest of my uh, three years. Uh, now doing military service for the Army Reserves. Uh, because that's where this band functioned under the Army Reserve. And then I was a full-time student. So, uh, um, sorry, I forgot to mention that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. I I love, um, I mean, it's fun because I've gotten to know you and, and witnessed the different kind of, at least small parts of the different moments of your journey and things like that. So I'm, I'm really excited for us to, to dive into them a little bit deeper. But I think the cool thing is that music has kind of connected you to all of those things and led you deeper into all of those. So I guess just picking a place to start in the world of music, you mentioned that you play the tuba and you started with the trumpet. Is there anything else that you play? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to make more of a timeline, just to keep myself on track. So I started playing trumpet in fourth grade. Um, and that was awesome three years of doing that beginner stuff. But then I get to junior high around seventh grade and there was a need for, uh, for the band to go to competitions. And, uh, they needed to have a tuba to fill up that sound. And me being well off on the trumpet, I was like, yeah, I'll volunteer. And I asked the band director, um, if he, if he wanted, I could do it. And so one day I just picked up the tuba with, uh, one of the music teachers and, it was the start of a of that adventure, uh, but then I saw a future in music, and I was desired to be uh, uh, to be a piano player. So I I started taking piano lessons that same year, and then um, I started doing uh, more and more of the music department, doing jazz band, doing orchestra, doing band. And so, but those three instruments trumpet to the piano was like my bread and butter in high school. And that was like the best at all these. 
um, I, I wouldn't say that I was a prodigy, but I, I, I put in the work in the practice right. uh, room and, and uh, I, I played all the time. Uh, it was a great thing for me. Uh, towards the end of high school and starting in college, I really started picking up the guitar. And uh, at some point in college, I picked up the ukulele. And so those are the five main instruments that I still play regularly. Um, but because of my degree at ISU, uh, what I was studying for so long was music education. I picked up brass, in- brass instruments, woodwinds, percussion, and string instruments to be able to learn these enough to be able to teach them. So um, music became like a video game. I just started picking up the controller, the instrument, and just starting to figure out how that game worked. Um, oh, that's, that is, yeah. That's, that's how I usually describe um, how many, what instruments do I play? Uh, <laughs> there's ones that I technically should know how to play, uh, play uh, but there's the ones that I um, play on on a regular basis. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think, like you said, with your degree, I know you have to like kind of learn at least a little bit of the basics on all of them, but that's a cool, and I had never heard someone like talk about it like a video game that you can pick up and play. And I, I think that's really good for, <laughs> for kind of our modern age. Like, oh, why would you spend your time doing that? And it's like, it's no different than a video game, just a different game that you're playing. Um, so what drew you to pursuing music in college? Like it was a hobby in high school and you seemed to really enjoy it, but what led you into that music education degree? Uh, looking back in high school was when it was like, I was, really going to make music my thing, you know, um, I'm keeping it to my brother. Like my brother was the athlete. He was doing all the, re- he was a wrestler. He was a football athlete. And, you know, by, uh, by how it all was working out, Matt would need a buddy to practice with, to work out with, and to have a, <laughs> a wrestling dummy to practice the moves for wrestling. And so I got to do those things and I got, uh, to enjoy that with my brother. But I really just saw music being just my thing that I was like thriving in. And as my mom would probably tell you, uh, it was really a passion for sure. Now, I also, in the classroom, noticed how much I enjoyed learning, how much I enjoyed school life, how much I enjoyed um, helping students like my friends, like learn the lesson as I was learning it. And I had this big, you know, philosophy of, if I can teach it to somebody else, I can learn it better myself. You know, that'd be a, and I have to be able to explain it in the simplest terms. So with these two things, music and education, um, was what I was good at and what I was inspired by. I, I was like, it seems like a natural fit. So, um, yeah, I would also say that what gave me the confidence to pursue this major, uh, instead of like, a like an engineering major, nothing against that, nothing against business or nothing against engineering. I, I really uh, looked into it at one point, but it, what, I didn't have like the, the same level of inspiration and drive, drive to pursue that major. Uh, I, w- I was really just hoping to have a good life uh, and not be so concerned about making the most amount of money or right. doing any type of, I don't know, greedy or prideful pursuit. I just wanted to be a good band director and a good, um, and just a good man, you know, yeah. uh, I had some great mentors, especially in the Quincy 
music department that really uh, guided me to where I needed to go. And uh, ISU music education was like the perfect fit for me. And so I, uh, it was quite easy and um, to come to that conclusion. Um, yeah. If I just could add one more thing. Sure. Yeah, I said I, was, I wanted to be a, a good band director. I think that was the fruit of my prayer uh, growing up as a kid. I just remember learning that in my, uh, like my catechism classes. Like the, the man and, a, and his wife were leading it. And they introduced that kind of prayer, a simple prayer, I just think, uh, that you would make to the Lord. Or you just say, Lord, help me to be the best son, the best brother, the best uh, cousin, the best, et cetera. And uh, I think that's just where that kind of desire came from was to be a good son. It starts with that. So, uh, yeah, that's what drew me to pursue that path. Oh, that's really beautiful. And and even hearing that, that simple prayer, like it's so interesting how it led you to humility, because I think sometimes too, even in our prayer, we, even the enemy can sometimes tend to work and, and you could have taken that like best son as being like the favorite, the best, the whatever, but instead you, you changed it and made it into, or like the true desire, the authentic desire of your heart was to be good. Like to be, what's the, like how is Andrew the best son he can be the best man he can be rather than like best in the like ranking sense of the word against other people. Um, so I think that's really beautiful. Just that, that surrender to humility and, and that, um, that constant prayer to just check the state of your heart and things. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. I, I would love to hear a little bit more about, um, what that like education at ISU encompassed for you as a musician and, and, um, educator in training um because i'm guessing you you had both ends you were you were practicing a lot of pieces and like what did that look like for you as a on the performance side of things as a musician as a music education major <laughs> yeah no worries and i just want to make a clarification i uh just kind of foreshadow here i guess a spoiler alert i actually didn't end up getting a music education degree uh just how things happened but like I said, I, I studied music education yeah. um, for the majority of my time at ISU. Mm-hmm. This is what it looked like. I would um, have your typical music theory classes, your music history classes, and your uh, just understand this thing called music. <laughs> and it was so fun, and it was so great to uh, learn about all these different styles of music, like jazz, learning about um the different periods of music all the way from like ancient world to modern day. Um, some, it was kind of challenging to navigate all that. Uh, one of the things that first comes to mind was a music history class uh, was that kind of class where you had to, uh, you just had to listen to an excerpt of a, of a music recording and just be able to say who wrote that, what period, and like, what is it? <laughs> and I just remember just like putting down my music on my phone <laughs> and just being like, nope, this is going to be the music that I listen to all semester. Cause oh, I, wow. I, and I really, uh, let the music, um, become a part of me. Not, not kind of that way. It was just like, no, let's like dive in, go all in, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, so that's what it's like to learn the music. Now there is the performance setting uh, of a music education major. You don't um, necessarily have 
the greatest amount of focus as being learning how to be a performer, but you are a performer. I think that's just the nature of being a musician. You perform um, for somebody. You're performing. Uh, I know that you've told me this before. You perform for an audience that is one, even if you're by yourself. And the one is not referring to yourself, but you're performing um, for the good Lord. Yes. Um, I would say that I did Illinois uh, State marching band, concert band. I had a studio, uh, which is basically the instrument that you're studying. So with the tuba studio, which also combined with the euphonium studio. So it's tuba euphonium. And euphonium is just like a baritone, a smaller tuba. Uh, it's just an octave higher. But it, it was so good to be able to perform in a wide variety of ensembles because then you just had all the more fun. Education side, what was that looking like? Yes. Um, yeah, so I had to take some of your um, College of Education courses. Again, I wasn't always in the music building. I was in different buildings at campus, and I had to do observation hours. I had to do uh, clinicals. I had to do um, – what else did I have to do? Yeah, your typical – learn how to make a lesson plan and practice doing this lesson plan, all these labs and stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't do student teaching, but that was a part of it. And also getting that, um, teaching license, like, the the, the proficiency test, whatever right. it's called for Illinois. But yeah, it was a, it was good, uh, program. And that's why I was drawn to ISU because I, um, I had just heard good things growing up and, uh, I definitely was shaped by this place of, uh, a formation for band directors um, and music performers and other other paths for the musicians. So I know yeah. you were saying you weren't necessarily a, like trained to be a performer, but I do remember, I don't know if it was like a senior recital or something, but I remember via live stream uh, watching your performance. And so I remember you yes. practicing. What were what were some of your favorite pieces to perform while you were either in the army band or in college or any, what really um, spoke to your your heart while you were performing? So there's a lot there's a lot to that. Um, <laughs> I I feel terrible that I didn't mention that. Yeah, uh, being a music major, you put on a senior recital and I that's what you were referring to there. I I, I was thinking about this for a year in advance and it's something that you have to practice so far in advance for, uh, especially if you're not used to performing uh, like just you on stage with a piano accompanist. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, uh, I looked into uh, my whole journey as a musician and I, I was trying to figure out what this recital is going to be. What do I want to say? What, I have this platform to be able to to have fun on stage, but also, and I came down to this conclusion of just like to give it all back to God. Um, and so, if you probably remember, I started my recital actually in prayer mm-hmm. in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I said, "May God bless you," and I say, you know, and my title of my recital was. Uh, Playing tuba for Jesus. <laughs> I like playing tuba for Jesus. <laughs> uh, Didn't you have a shirt I, too that said that or something like that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember who either my grandma or my mom. She 
they got me a shirt. I play too the for Jesus. <laughs> that was uh, that was such a joy. Uh, so I was having fun with it, but yeah, I wanted to like really just show who I was, and I did the um, the pieces that were going to make me sound the best. That were also a good challenge for me. So they weren't just going to be like Mary had a little lamb, but I was going to like play stuff that I wanted to play and I enjoy, uh, enjoyed playing and I had some playing. So I played like, um, what is it called? Like this English folk suite um, or studies uh, that I played at the Army School of Music. That was my advanced individual training that I referred to earlier. Uh, this this uh, was the part of my training that actually taught me how to be a performer. So the army actually made me a performer. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was great to learn that uh, level of performance in that setting. But I, I, I picked up this, uh, this piece. It was just, just lyrical, melodic, just beautiful music. And it showed the whole range of the instrument. And I, I chose that piece because I really enjoyed uh, how I sound on it. And also it was, so good for calming me down and getting the nerves out of me because uh, it was a, a slower lyrical piece. I didn't have to jump in and try to impress anybody. I just wanted to let my sound fill the room and, you know, and prepare people to hear this remainder of the recital. Right. The other piece that I performed was like a jazzy piece. And it was, um, it was a tribute to a, uh, a jury piece. A jury is basically your final for your tuba studio. You have to play a solo in front of the uh, your professor. And I played this jury piece but with this wonderful piano player. Uh, her name is Patty Folson. Unfortunately, she died suddenly um, when I was in college mm-hmm. uh, after I, we had done the recital. And it was, it was so heartbroken uh, yeah. breaking to the community. So I wanted to do in my own way a tribute to her. And, uh, and the piece was called Lullaby. And it was just a jazz, uh, jazz ballad. Originally meant for flute that I played on the tuba. And it was so, uh, so somber, but also so good to, you know, let her be a part of my recital. Right. And to pray for, you know, I remember praying eternal rest be granted unto her, oh God, may her petrol light shine upon her, you know. <laughs> and uh, I did a little solo at the end uh, of the DS Ere, you know, just to call to mind, remember your death. Um, I did a another jury piece that I did. It was called uh, To the Sonata by uh, Anthony Plogue. Uh And that was a, more of a challenging piece. Uh, and, I, and I know that my professor and I, we would agree that this was going to be a, um, a good piece for me to feature, uh, just more of that advanced. Uh, style of music, more modern. And, and what is a uh, a recital without uh, Bach? You have to have some Bach in there. <laughs> but, uh, this one piece, bum, 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 it was so hard. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I, I was so proud with how I, I played. And so uh, th- that was the first half of my recital, 30 minutes of that. The second half of my recital was uh, a call to mind to my stolen ensemble music that I played in high school. 
there was the Uber Concerto uh, by uh, Edward Gregson. This is a famous tuba concerto. Uh, you often hear this being played by uh, high school, college students. Uh, basically, this is three movements of, of just the tuba going to town from the lowest part of its range to the highest part. And it's the fun piece. It's bum ba ba bum bum ba ba bum ba ba bum bum bum. It's a very lively piece, so it can be. It has some very beautiful parts. And so, why did I play this piece? Because one, I did this for that solo ensemble contest. I oh yeah, solo competitions, and I did this throughout all of ISU. I played the uh, couple of movements from it for my juries, and I was just like, you know, this is a piece that I've found it good on. It's going to be a challenge to do all three movements. It's like a twenty-plus minute song. Uh, piece, and uh, and by the grace of God, I, I was able to play it, and it's very happy how that also turned out well, and it's um, it was so cool. I remember playing it in my recital, and I had put so much time and effort and intentionality to my rehearsing and my practicing that I was just able to enjoy the music on the day of the competition, uh, the day of the performance came. And it was so uh, rewarding to play that last note of that concerto. And that could have been the conclusion of my tuba recital. But I was like, no, 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 no. This is playing tuba for Jesus, you know. After I gave my thanks to God, thanks to my family, my friends, um, to my professor <laughs> and uh, Dr. Annie Rumble. Annie Rumble, I can't, I'm getting tongue twist right now. <laughs> Dr. Rumble, he, uh, I just really thanked all of them just for the, just the support and the, um, and for them uh, pushing me, you know, to be the best man, the best musician I could be. But I wanted to end the, the recital playing the Salve Regina, mm. which is something I would always play to either warm up or to conclude. Um, this is a side note. I, I played tuba or practice tuba this way. I would warm up playing hymns, something I picked up while I was at the Army School of Music. Uh, because if you can't play this simplest music sometimes, like you can't even sound good on that, how do you expect to sound good doing the most complicated thing? <laughs> no, no, like give you, give you a chance to like warm up. Give you a chance to to um, pray with your instrument. Yeah. And so I was like, this is so fitting. And, and this is in the midst of like the tail end of COVID. Um, and I just wanted to offer some, a prayer for people who are maybe in the, a trial. And so I said, this is one of the most favorite prayers to go back to. And I prayed it with everybody. And I, I sat down to the breath and Bailey, I'll tell you, like, when I just started playing, like I said, I had put so much time and effort in. As I played that, it was one of the most beautiful experiences mm. as a tuba player. Because um, it wasn't sounding like a dying move. Before. <laughs> it was it was sounding in, heavenly. It was yeah. sounding so uh, beautiful. And I listened back to the recording, and I couldn't, I don't think I could have played it any better. Yeah. Um, and 
I ended the piece and I um, did a moment of silence. Now, this is what I want to bring into it. So, like, music, you have a beginning, middle, and end to the note. But there's the silence after that. You don't want to idolize it, but also you just want to take it in because that's where God can speak the most is that silence. It's just being like, wow, that just happened. (laughs) And you're you're so present to God. And I I just felt so good after that. And that's describing the recital. I think that just kind of shows you the type of music that I love to perform. It's the ones that I sound the best on because I want to sound good you know i i want to perform pieces that are also challenging that i can rise to the occasion achievable pieces but then also pieces that really turn my heart towards god um my time at quincy senior high school i i own the a like all state uh honors band and orchestra time in the military the isu band the two euphonium studio and summing up is like if the piece was true, good, and beautiful. That was like the, the piece that I wanted to be uh, all in on. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think in all of that, it, this is actually a perfect kind of segue because I'm going to remind everyone of the quote before we kind of pivot. But I, as you were speaking, I, I remember the, the Salve Regina and I remember um, how beautiful it sounded. I remember like it just seemed like it was where the artist like for met the little V vocation. Like I remember like that was like you, like that was Andrew Bilgery on stage. Like it's just a, a great use of your time, your talents and your gift and your person, like right there to, to play for everyone. That song that was so close to your heart because God is so close to your heart. And that I think that's why it was so beautiful because it was just a true reflection of what was inside the artist. Um, and so speaking of that, I'm just going to remind everyone now of our, of our letter to artist quote, Um, which I think is really beautiful. It ties right into what Andrew was just talking about. It goes, the artist has a special relationship to beauty. In a very true sense, it can be said that beauty is the vocation bestowed on him by the creator in the gift of artistic talent. And certainly this too is a talent which ought to be made to bear fruit in keeping with the sense of the gospel parable of the talents. And so I loved how we were just talking about before Andrew senior recital at Illinois state university and all the musical pieces that he picked. Um, but in particular, the Salve Regina was one that really flowed from him. Um, and he was saying that he feel, felt really, you, you were saying you felt really good about um, like you like to play music that you are really good at, like you sound the best in. And I think that's because the artist has that special relationship to beauty. We, we feel called to, to bring what's beautiful um, and put forth what's beautiful in front of other people. Um, so Andrew, I just kind of want to invite you now, just any general reflection you have on that quote before I kind of start grilling you with more questions. Cause Oh, I have them. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was reading this quote, um, cause preparing for this interview, I wanted to also return back to the letters, uh, to artists, uh, which I encountered in the ISU. Uh, the ISU, the Newman Center. That's where I read it for the first time. And, um, and reading this quote, the artist has a special relationship to beauty. That word beauty just was ringing in my ears and I was just attentive to wherever that word would come up. And um, it's so true um, that uh, the artist, along with his or her craft, you know, the art, you know, 
uh, partakes in that beauty. And that beauty ultimately comes from God. So that's something I was just beholding in these recent weeks is just the true source of beauty is, is God. And that, I know that's what John Paul said. So I'm not saying anything, anything new or anything profound, but it's just like, but I'm in awe of beauty because it's of God. And I wanted um, to just point that out of what sticks out to me. And my own prayer here, let me pull up in scripture here. It's Psalm 27, one that I often go to. And in Psalm 27, it's the triumphant song of confidence. You know, this is the one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Further along in the song is something I often go back to in prayer. Remember what everything is for. The one thing I have asked for of the Lord, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And it later goes on, sure enough, in a couple of verses later, I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And I, um, <laughs> I'll i leave it at that. Just just a gift to be yeah. an artist mm. and to contemplate uh, what is beauty or who is beauty. And that's, you know, it's a, that's a, my Lord and my God. That's our, our God, you know. And this gift that God has seemed to desire to give me must be given back for his glory and to serve others. And so this uh, artistic talent is, is definitely a vocation that's meant to be given away. And uh, yeah, I, I, I actually just recently played at a wedding for uh, my vocations director's assistant. Uh, she just got married at the cathedral in Peoria. Aww. And the, I could have served uh, along with my brother seminarians, but she had asked me, uh, she and her, uh, and her uh, fiance had asked me, won't you play trumpet for us? Won't oh. you play, oh God, beyond our praising, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I took the time to effort and to, and to prepare for this. And as I was playing, it was, uh, preparing for it. It was like a great reunion towards music is, you know, as a seminarian, you have other focuses that are good and are necessary. And sometimes other things like music need to be put on the back burner. They're still there, but not the main focus. But I got to just enjoy being a musician again. And I recall before Mass began to just call on the Holy Spirit so that I may give glory to God and to part, uh, help others come to know you better. Something like that. And the fruit of it was that it was a beautiful wedding. <laughs> so all glory to God on that. Yeah. No, I think it's so beautiful. And you were talking about, yeah, all, all things is a gift. And, and I really, um, now you just, you just gave us this example, but I, I think it's so beautiful to like kind of track how your, the donation of that gift, um, that you pursued to say, Lord, help me develop this talent that I may give it back to you and, and use it for, to, to bring others closer to you, even in the simplicity 
I don't know if a transcendental can be simple, but in the simplicity of beauty, even even just in the simplest terms of what is beautiful to lead them closer to Christ without even bringing up God. And I think that's a beautiful thing because I mean, you, and with the army band, you're, I mean, that's a morale boost for everybody, the community, your um, battle buddies. I don't know <laughs> you calling your battle yeah. buddies. Um, and now like, and I remember, you know, growing alongside you at college, like we would play at mass or at, and sing at mass or at praise nights. And, and I know you've served on, um, like those Catholic camps, like in totus tuus or things like that and bringing joy and music into the, or bringing music into the picture, I think really creates, um, an authentic culture of joy just because it is, um, such an uplifting thing, at least in the music that you play. And, and so I'm, I'm wondering how have you seen this, this music, in your life tracking as your little V vocation um, in kind of that going with that quote in terms of being bestowed on you by the creator, but also now leading you into your pursuing your, like your big V vocation. Mm. My first thought goes back to when I was a little kid. Uh, I was just starting music in the first time. I just remember having a, a moment of prayer, a, a, a small child, uh, praying to, the, to God, you know, and I, I, I just remember just having this sense to just ask God, like, what is my calling with music? Uh, and like, and I expressed my desire to him. I want to have music in my life. Um, I, 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 it was a weird thing. I can't explain it. I just, that sticks out to me. Like that little children's prayer to saying, Lord, like, what is, uh, what is this thing called music? And also I really enjoy it. So can I do it for the rest of my life? Yeah. And, uh, so it was such a consolation, uh, in that childlike prayer. Uh, but you know, the mess of the world, you know, you know, it's not perfect. And, uh, I know I'm not perfect. Um, and that my decisions have not always uh, been perfect, uh, but I'll say that that little prayer and my my love for music was a stepping stone to go to high school and to be a part of the music department, which was a step stone to recognize I should go to college <laughs> and pursue this. And that step stone led me to, you know, to visit other schools and for not uh, if, for, if it wasn't for that, like I would have not gone to ISU. Um, I wouldn't have had, I walked on this campus and something just said, this is the place. You know, I didn't visit too many schools, but I definitely knew when I walked on ISU's campus, I was like, this suits me. Mm. And I remember driving by the uh, Epiphany uh, Catholic Church there and being like, oh, the Catholic Church is here. Okay, good, good, good. And yeah. I remember seeing the Newman Center and just being like, okay, so that's the thing. That's there. Um, and I went to, you know, the orientation, and I remember filling out a form. And I heard laughter. And I was like, where is that laughter coming from? I, uh, I went to where the source of that laughter was to see where it was, and sure enough, it was the ISU Newman uh, Center table. And she's now a religious sister of the <laughs> campus minister at that time. Uh was the one I heard laughing. And I said, Hey, I'm Catholic. And I would like to sign up for whatever you got. 
And uh, and so she's just like, yeah, here's the form. And that's what I was trying to say before. Yeah, here's the form. And I said, sweet, see you in the fall. And uh, I do ISU's marching uh, band camp, and it was great to get to know the community and to to perform in a really cool college band um, that has a great reputation. Uh, but there was still something missing. And then I went to the Newman Center for Mass on that Sunday, and it was another big consolation saying, you're home. When I went to that Mass started, I just started, um, I just beheld God's love and His providence that He brought me to that Newman Center, that place. And it's still there. People can go. So <laughs> shout out to anyone uh, from the Newman Center or who is about to go to the Newman Center. Uh, I just, I want to give a shout out to all Newman Centers because they're uh, such a gift to the college campus because what, not just a stepping stone, but an acceleration to a relationship with God who's already pursuing so much. And so my little V vocation as a musician led me to um, have a relationship with God mm. and to be able to discern further a call to enter seminary to God day, uh, one day, uh, God willing to become a priest. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really beautiful to let how, how, yeah, you kept, um, I think you kept responding to the call that the Lord would ask you to share your gifts in a very direct and tangible way. I think, right. We, we are called to share our gifts further with the community, but you, you acknowledge something's still missing, even though I'm on the campus, I'm involved in the, wasn't it called like the big red marching machine? <laughs> wasn't the that the, the band? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You, you were a part of that big band and you were surrounded by a community, but something was still missing. Something was still calling out to your heart. And I think it was like you said, when you entered mass and then you started to, to donate your gifts in that very, like very tangible way. Like I'm in mass, I'm playing my instrument. And now even to this day where you're like, I was asked to play at a wedding. Like those are the moments that are even more special because I think they're the most real when we're in front of the sacraments. Um, and like, that is why we were created to, to give glory directly to God. And, and I think just that is for our human in our humanity, that is the most tangible way to do it. Not that that's the only way to do it, but it's just very tangible for us as humans to understand like, Oh, I'm, I'm giving glory to God in this moment because he is directly before me in the Eucharist. Um, yeah. It, that sacramental life. Um, right. That's what kept me in the church. Um, uh, I mentioned that PSR uh, growing up in public school religion. Um, it was good. Uh, it was a grace to be able to encounter the saint stories like St. Bernadette and Our Lady of Lord and then St. Maximilian Kolbe to recognize uh, holiness is, is possible and there's been some profound witnesses uh, in like our time, like not 2,000 years ago, but just within my you know lifetime of this country, right. my lifetime, John Paul II. I was born um, just a couple of months before Mother Teresa died. Um, all these great witnesses. And then on top of that, an encounter with God and the sacrament of reconciliation and the blessed sacrament 
and, you know, receiving the grace of confirmation, like, uh, it was all, uh, those profound moments of just encountering God. Now, not that the heavens opened up when I was confirmed. I do recall that I didn't see that. No, it was just like, but it was such a, uh, yeah, a concrete way, a practical way to, to come in contact with so I just have to echo that and just say how that yeah. applied to my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important because I just think uh, like, and, and it's beautiful that you did, like you were like, okay, these are both goods. I'm going to pursue this music and I'm, but like, yeah, in, the, in your heart, the depth, you were still, you were listening to the drawing of, not that everyone's, you know, meant to go to seminary or whatever, but you were listening to like, okay, Lord, where, where am I most fulfilled? And even now, as you said, in seminary, it's, not like you're playing music 24 <laughs> seven because you also have other responsibilities, but um, it's a beautiful place of encounter for you to still meet the Lord and to remember who he created you to be. And I, there's a, a Bible verse that I love and I, I'm blanking on the, I don't, I want to, I'll paraphrase. This is very much a paraphrase. So this is not gospel, <laughs> but it's something about like return to the state or like return to the place in which the Lord has called you or, and it's like, and use that. It's like, he's talking to I think St. Peter, or it's in like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm all over the place, but it's the, the gist of it, the grace on my heart, I remember it was like, do like whatever you were called in the state that the Lord called you, like that is a very authentic place of like talents and, and gifts. And it's like to use those for him. I just think that's a really beautiful place to be of like, these are all my desires and talents. This is where I encountered the Lord. And he, he met me there, wherever he met me, like is a, it was a very powerful place um, and a very powerful place of our our way to evangelize and again for our own sanctification but then i'm really we're preparing our students right now for a retreat called into the deep and i've been talking a lot about how do we look into the depths of our own hearts the surface of yeah i have fingers yeah i have toes how like many people have fingers and toes but how do i use them for the glory of god to look past the surface and so you as a musician like oh yeah i can I can play the tuba, but like, what more can I do? How, how can I go into the depths of this gift? Um, and this kind of leads me to maybe my final question, depending on how long it takes us, but into the quote brings us into the parable of talents and you, Andrew specifically have many artistic gifts. I know you are, you do woodwork and you've acted and you have, um, I music director. I don't, sorry, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, like directed the band for the, we did a play called the jeweler shop together and you led the music for that. And, um, and how have you found that? Like, I don't know, like to whom the Lord has given, you know, much is to be expected. And um, I don't know, just how has that been as an overall call for you to develop each of those? Has that been overwhelming to try and, you know, has there been a temptation to please the Lord and idolize yourself in those gifts or has it been a, a smooth, um, pursuit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I would say that these other avenues, uh, these are more of hobbies, uh, I would say. But I, I think about when we did, like the, wow, oh help me out with the word, the, the event, the uh, soar at the Newman Center, and then we even have something like that at. Oh, dare to soar. Okay. Yeah. Where we yeah. celebrate the art. Yeah. And, um, so really quick, just for our listeners, dare to soar was an event at our Newman center where it was like an open mic night, almost where people performed poetry or music or any kind of art. We had visual arts. We had the cooking, like 
what is that culinary arts and then we had performing arts quick aside keep going you yeah, have yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that at the right, seminary right. yeah we do and uh, these don't uh it keeps me in check and allows them not to become idols uh and to celebrate the arts because um i know that in jp2's letter here uh, letter to artists like he just talks about how in such how it can make the world a better place when we have the arts. And we don't, uh, we don't limit ourselves to just what's necessary or if it's just a, uh, has a use to it. No, like it's the art of living is to also include leisure. Um, I read that, uh, it's in there here, the art, the art of living. Um, and it just comes down to, uh, leisure is so good for society to have. And the arts are a great way to to rest in a good way, uh, to create, and not to to be so. I have to be productive every time. I am a machine. Da, 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 da. No, no, no. Express yourself. You have emotions. You have a, a. You are body and soul. You have a heart. You know, um, and you can just see the beauty um, when you start using your talents like that. Woodworking. Uh, something that I learned from my dad and my, my brother and I uh, were working on a project for his home and it's, it's good. It has a function. It's useful and definitely. But when I was in college, I made a kneeler because I wanted to be able to find rest in God and prayer in my own home. So I drew up a rough sketch of what this kneeler should look like. And then that br- brings it. And I, I made that. I cut the pieces before I put them all together though. I did my next craft, wood burning. Um, I think the fancy term, biography, basically writing with fire. Oh, that's uh, cool. That's something I picked up. <laughs> yeah. And I wood burn design into my kneeler. I made a rosary because I didn't have any excuse for not being able to play a rosary when I was kneeling there. And then also I drew the pelican. Because in my prayer at that time was to really meditate on the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Holy Mass, you know, we were formed by the servants of the purest heart, the Mary, is that's their logo. Because right. that's all, like what they, it's talking about the purest hearts of Jesus and Mary. And the pelican really just captures that beautifully. And so I, obviously you can see that I am so inspired by this image. Um, and yeah, so wood burning, woodworking, and then acting, I'm able to not escape the world that young auntie that mistake too many times to have two faces, the one on stage and one off stage, uh, to be able to escape and leave the world. No, no, no. What comes to mind just now is when I put on the Drew shop, when we were out in Colorado on pilgrimage in the foot of junk JP two, where he was in Colorado and put it on that play. I played, uh, Adam, which we made, a priestly character, Father Adam. And to be in the footsteps of John Paul II, to be able to enter into literally his footsteps and play this character that contains so much of his thought, I uh, I was able to like just fall into it, I guess, but uh, kind of rest and like learn from him right. and listen as I brought the character to life. Um, and in a way, it's not necessarily an art form, but I'm, I, I was thinking about this just now, just uh, journaling. I wasn't much for a writer growing up, but in 
my time at ISU, I picked up journaling. And my, I have developed my, as a writer, into maybe write down my prayer, maybe write, write down a reflection after a big conference at the seminary. And there's sometimes, <laughs> there's not a lot to it, but there's sometimes where I had like these profound, like I read what I have written and I see that's not my doing. Like the Holy yeah. Spirit has, has inspired much of what I've written in my journal. Obviously I won't go into that here, but it's just like, it's an art. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's a masterpiece. Our life can be, if we include the arts into it. I know that there's another thing John Paul wrote in his letter was that like the art of like being crafting your life, mm-hmm. being making your life an artwork for God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I definitely want to give it all back to the Lord, anything, uh, but not to, to let it become an idol. Right. And I think that's really, um, the key, especially in mentioning the parable of the talents, it was not to hide our gifts, but, um, in, and, and it is, it is a false humility to hide our gifts because we want to, um, you know, the, we have, we have a light in us and the Lord calls us to develop those. And, and I think it's a real battle of humility. One of my favorite episodes that I've ever talked, that I've ever recorded was with father Simon Asaki and the quote, and he's, um, a Chaldean priest, a Chaldean Catholic priest, and he's also a famous TikToker. And we, he and I talked a lot about the the battle between vanity and pride, and but also being called forth in front of others to lead, to share our gifts, and how that that is still a true humility to be able to say, "I'm sharing my gifts," but the root of why we are sharing, how we are sharing, and of course, we're human. Sin gets entangled in us so easily, but um, mm-hmm. we have to trust in what the Lord has given us and what He's calling us to do, and good friends, spiritual directors, people to help us discern those when we're confused and who see us in our, like that place of authenticity when we are, when our, I, I remember um, one of the sisters that was at our Newman center. Again, they were the servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary. Her name was sister Michelle. And she would say, where do your eyes shine? And people, that's what the beautiful gift of having others around you is to help you to see where your eyes are shining um, where the, the places that your desires, your talents and your call from Christ all meet. Um, and, and that's beautiful and people see it. They see that they see the light emulating off of you because that is Christ in you. Um, and so I just think that's really been a, um, a joy to witness with you, Andrew, is you seeing you especially dive into those talents, um, and, and leading others in them and also being able to lead us deeper in prayer, through your music, especially, I mean, I, I know praise and worship has been something that's been a very beautiful uh, place for me to meet the Lord and in front of the blessed sacrament and in mass, the music in mass has always led me deeper into a meditation and contemplation of the Eucharist. And um, I think that that's a great gift um, and you use it very well. So I think I have one more question just because um it is a beautiful gift that we have a, a seminarian here, right? He's Andrew's not a priest yet, but he's studying really hard and discerning and praying and seeing what the Lord is calling him to. But I, so I would like, if you have any advice to give a young man or young woman, but discerning, I mean, a young man discerning the priesthood, young woman discerning religious life will also simultaneously being called to develop these artistic pursuits, because I know sometimes it can be almost like, we're, we're looking at two goods and how do we integrate the two or do I have to give one up? So do you have any advice there? As you probably listen to my story, there's many different compartments in my life. Uh, as a kid doing all these different things and 
is like when I first came to that Newman Center and now that I'm at seminary, like it's, it's gone from many to one. And my advice is. Oh, that was person, beautiful. Sorry. I, that was really good. I had to make a comment. <laughs> Keep going. Thank you, I'm so sorry. I, I, I had an external thought or internal thought that I said out loud. I'm so sorry to ruin that moment. <laughs> That's all good. The many become one. The many become one. Like it's no longer um, just a part of my life uh, and my relationship with God. Music is just a part of my life. It's one life. It's moving all to oneness with God, who is the source of life, right? The source and summit. And so my, my advice is for anyone discerning is to focus on that. Like, is your life reflecting God? And are you able to be one with him? And that requires you to let go of certain things and pick up certain, certain things. A good thing to pick up would probably be the rosary. If you need to work on your prayer life, this is your call. Pray the rosary every day. <laughs> um, I try my best to, to live that. Maybe something I need to cut out is the type of music, the type of shows that I watch. Stuff that fills my, my conscious, my subconscious. I need to just kind of grow in detachment. I need to be, understand that there's a higher call to holiness for all of us. And holiness is possible. Look to the saints, whoever you're named after, or whatever confirmation saint you picked up, or whoever inspires you. Like, it's, holiness is possible. And the saints can do it because the, God's grace was there for them. And He's there for us right now. So that ordering of our life to be like, yes, Lord, I love being a musician. I love being a woodworker. I love acting, etc. But what's it all for? One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And that's what it's for. Like you, you want to just give it back to the Lord. And guess what? He's going to use it. What does scripture tell us? In the gospel, this is very special to my heart because my patron saint, St. Andrew, was asked to drop your nets and come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And at the seminary that I'm at, Mundelein Seminary, in our ch- John Paul II chapel, Latin in the sanctuary is written, Nolite Tenere. Do not be afraid. And then Duke and Alton put out into the deep. Mm-hmm. So for those who are discerning, is just to recognize that you need to become one with God in relationship and to recognize holiness is possible for you. And that higher calling is there. And then that secondary vocation should naturally flow from that relationship that am I called to be a, a religious sister or brother or a religious priest? Am I called to be a seminarian to this, to this, to the priesthood, the Austin priesthood further, you know, am I called to be a holy, a holy husband, a holy wife, a father and a mother? The beautiful thing is like 
if you allow him to, God will speak and show you the answers to all these things. And do not live in fear. Do not be anxious. You know, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because he will make you into a fisher of men. Yeah. Andrew and Simon Peter were fishermen, but they became fishers of men. And they didn't do it on their own. They encountered in Jesus Christ and Jesus made them to the, to the fisher, the men that they were. So that's my advice to the, to the men and women who are listening. It's the Molite Temere, Duke Thank you so much, Andrew. That was a beautiful, beautiful place to wrap up. Um, if you could just end us in prayer, that would be awesome. Yes, I think just returning to Psalm 27, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though a hope encamp against against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord, the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Andrew, thank you so much for being here. It was so good to to hear your story and to to listen to you share it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Andrew. Good to see you. Or I guess hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. All right. And thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. Um, For everyone out there, if you missed any of our show today or just want to catch an encore, we are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts now. Just type in Letter to Artists. You can also find out more about the show by following us on Instagram at Letter to Artists Pod. That's Letter to Artists P-O-D. So please follow us. We want to hear from you, interact with you and get your thoughts on the show. And if you're a Catholic artist wanting to share your story, your journey, please reach out. We want to keep these conversations going. So we want to really build up this community of creative Catholics. So reach out to us, please. Letter to Artists is proudly brought to you by John Paul the Great University, hoping to encourage you to use your talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. 
The world in which we live needs beauty.